highest people in the land can just share that word with ease. Uh, maybe where you're working, you hear that term used so much. Uh, we're, we're living in a culture that is watering down such things. It would certainly be reassuring if we heard more preaching on the radio or in churches on this subject. But it's a subject that is not popular among preachers. And case in point, I was thinking, since I'm here nine years, this is only the second message I'm preaching right now. And that's not to my credit. But I would be honest with you, I'd much rather preach on heaven. And someone said to me recently, well, I hear you're going to be preaching on hell, but we want a message on heaven. I said, don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> The sad fact today, there's actually churches and pastors that can no longer believe that it is hell as a literal place, a burning fire. They don't want to offend their people by sharing the truths that hell is a real place to shine. Yes, people are offended by the message of hell. They think Christians should keep their beliefs to themselves, keep it within the four walls here. You don't need to tell me otherwise. And I certainly can understand people's differing beliefs. I want to respect others of what they believe. But just to be respectful and not give them a warning. Think with me like this. If you were on a trip and you were in a hotel fast asleep in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden you hear this. Somebody's banging on your door. And they're hollering, fire, fire. About that time the alarms start ringing. I don't think for a moment you would mind being woken so rudely. And in fact, you'd be extremely thankful to escape the deadly fire. The inconvenience would be a welcome fact knowing that your life has been spared. Many people alive today do not believe in hell. And they don't realize it's a place to be at home. Jesus has left the task up to us as his followers, his believers, to look for every opportunity to share our faith with others. That's why the message today is so important for all of us to hear. I preach this message this morning, and it's my desire not to preach it out of a judgmental way, but out of a heart of compassion, a caring attitude. If you were to ask Bill Wise, if he's the man that had this experience, if hell is a literal burning place, he would give an assignment sounding absolutely It's a place of inferno. Bill's stories about what he saw, what he heard, what he experienced in that terrible place of torment. I'll admit to you, when I first picked up his book and began to read it, I thought to myself, oh yes, Another person wanting to make money on the book. But as I read it, questions came to my mind, well, is this just a made-up story? But the deeper I got into the book, I began to realize that no one could have thought up of all those details that unfold unless they actually were experiencing it. And he himself said many times as he goes out and shares his story, one of the first reactions are, really, is this for real? Is hell for real? The Bible is filled with many, many verses about hell. I, I don't have the time today to list how many are there. And that's a good 
something that if you want to get on the internet and ask how many, see how many scriptures pop up. No one needs to be a theologian or uh, a scholar to read and understand the scriptures. In fact, were you aware that, that May of this year, uh, 2019, is 500 years since William Tyndale was burned at the stake because he put the Latin into English. So the common man did now read and understand the scriptures. Well, why then is the Bible so controversial to so many? Why does the truth seem difficult to dig and to find? Today we can read and study the word and know that God reveals his truth to us by it. But Satan is forever busy trying to discredit the truthfulness of the scriptures. He pushes for a world to deny the authority of God, persuades people to be comfortable living without God, not going to church, sleeping in, going fishing, whatever. God is to someone you need when you have an emergency. Like a 911 God is what they think. But he does this for only one reason, because he knows if you're lost, you're going to end up in hell. And we know what the Bible says about the devil. And I'll share just a few verses here. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then Jesus said in John 8, 44, that the devil's a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth for truth. For there's no truth in him, for he is a father of lies. And I like the verse there in John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I like how the King James says, more abundantly. And then I think, wow, what a contrast. What a contrast. So what are we to do? Well, James tells us in chapter 4, verse 7, to submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, what's going to happen? He will flee from you. Try it, it works. And in the very next verse, he says, come to God, draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. Jesus is more powerful than the devil because of Calvary's cross, where their sin was paid for. The devil was defeated when Jesus rose again. You know, the devil thought, finally we're going to win. But Jesus didn't say in that to him. Friends, no one, no one ever needs to end up in hell. Because Jesus has provided salvation. The price has been paid. You can't buy it. And you can't get it by just being good. But he provides salvation and eternal life that we someday can spend eternity with him in heaven. Praise the Lord. All that call upon his name, he will hear. But for those who refuse Jesus, go on their merry way and rebellion. him. Someday, will open their eyes in the middle of hell. I just can't imagine God gives to us a warning of what will happen if we travel down the wrong road. Because he's a good, he's a loving God. Not wanting that any should perish. 
I like how the Good News translation puts 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow to do what he has promised, as some think. Instead, he's patient with you, because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants all to turn away from their sins. Bill Wise says in his book that his experience was not something he would ever ask for or wanted. If you're like most people, you would think, well, did this man really go to a hell as a fire burning in torment? Maybe he's just trying to make up a story. Maybe you don't believe in hell here this morning. If you do believe in a literal hell, you feel the only reason that God would allow someone to have an experience like Bill did was that he would come back and share that truth. You might think, well, maybe he was evil and he deserved it. Well, Bill says, in my case, not at all. So I was a good man. I went to church faithfully. I loved the Lord. It had nothing to do with being good or bad. But he said, the reason I was shown later was I had a message to bring back and to share of warning. His story is not one that seeks to condemn, but rather to inform that hell is a real place and does exist. God's desire is that no one goes there. But the sad fact is, people are making choices every day by rejecting God and not living for Him. And they'll end up in hell. He says, My horrifying journey felt like it lasted an eternity. And it was really less than half an hour. Those 23 minutes were more than enough to convince me that I would never, ever want to return. Not for just one minute. Now it has become his life's purpose of going and telling others and uh, feels compelled to share his story wherever he can to help people take all proper measures to steer away from that place at all costs. So it's his sincere hope that his story will be the closest you'll ever get to that place. I want to begin now by reading from his book and I ask for you to bear with me. Some of this is very graphic as he describes it. But I think that we need to know the realness of what hell is going to be. He said it was a Sunday night like no other. Nothing different about it. My wife and I were out visiting with friends and we came home and went to bed. Well, he said it was rather late, but went to sleep and slept a few hours and woke up Thirsty, wanted to get up and get a drink. He said, I happened to notice the clock was 3 a.m., right on the bottom. I began to walk and went into the living room, and suddenly I was falling and falling and falling until I landed on a hard surface. It looked like a prison cell. The walls were made out of rock hidden stone. The door looked like bars of steel. I was completely naked, which added to the vulnerability this is not a dream. I'm actually in this place. It's strange. I was fully awake. I had no idea what happened or how far I had traveled or why I was there until it was shown to me later. The first thing I noticed was the temperature. It was so hot, far beyond anything humanly imagined. That how can life even sustain it? Why am I still alive? How can I survive such intense heat? My flesh should just come off of my body. 
But the reality was it did. This wasn't a nightmare, it was real. The severity of the heat had an effect of taking every ounce of, of energy out of me. I wasn't yet fully aware, but I had fallen into hell. My point of arrival was in a cell. I felt as if it might be a temporary holding place for a prisoner awaiting his final hours and a more terrifying destiny. Isaiah 24, verse 22 says, And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in a pit and shall be shut up in a prison, referring to the chambers of death and hell. As I lay there on the floor of the cell, I was extremely weak. I noticed that I had the body, the pure distance it always did. Lifting my head, I began to look around, and immediately I realized I was not alone. There in the corner, I saw two enormous beasts, unlike anything I'd ever seen. They were approximately 10 to 13 feet tall, towering above me, intimidating me. One thing is threatened by somebody taller than me, these creatures were not of this world. I recognized they were entirely evil, gazing at me with pure, unrestrained hatred, which completely paralyzed me with fear. I felt like evil and terror were standing before me. I still had no real idea what had happened. I felt utterly panicked. I had no point of reference of what I was experiencing and no understanding how I'd gotten there. Still, I was faced with this unimaginable reality that a torturous death seemed certain. These creatures weren't animals, but they weren't human either. Each beast resembled a reptile in appearance but took on a human form. They had arms and legs, but they were of unequal length, out of proportion. The first had bumps and scales all over its grotesque body, huge protruding jaw, gigantic teeth, and large sunken eyes. It was stout and powerful, thick legs and enormously large feet. And it was pacing violently back and forth like a caged bull, and its demeanor was extremely ferocious. Now the second beast was different. It was tall and thin, with very long arms and razor-sharp fins that covered its body. Protruding from its hands were claws for nearly a foot long. Its personality seemed different than the other, certainly no less evil, but it remained quite still. I could hear the creatures speaking together in a language I didn't understand, but somehow I understood their words. Awful words, blasphemous, terrible language spewing from their mouths, expressing extreme hatred for God. Suddenly, they turned their attention to me. I felt like I was in a, in a room of hung, hungry predators staring at their prey. I was terrified. I thought, well, it's a little like an insect in a spider's web, trapped, frozen with fear. I knew I'd become the object of their hostility. I felt a violent, evil presence that never before greater than anything I could imagine. That hatred now was directed at me. I couldn't identify what these beasts were yet, but I knew they meant me harm. I wanted to get up and run, but I lay there on the floor, absolutely no strength. I could hardly move. Why? I didn't have strength. I couldn't understand. I was so defenseless. Psalm 88, verse 4 says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I'm a man and have no strength. I knew it was more than just physical weakness I was feeling. It was weakness of every form, mentally and emotionally draining. And I had only been there a few minutes. 
a weight of hopeless despair came over me. About that moment, two more creatures came into the cell. And I had a feeling these four were assigned to me. And I felt like they were sizing me up and that my torment would be their amusement. As they entered, suddenly, what little light there was vanished. It became pitch black. I had no idea why the sudden intense darkness, but I sensed that that light had been present as an intrusion into that atmosphere, and now it was returning to a normal state of darkness. Lamentations 3, verse 6 says, He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. Suddenly one of the creatures picked me up. The strength of the beast was amazing. I felt like a water glass in his hand. No one could bind him or even the chains. The chains pulled apart by him. The shackles broken. Came to my mind from Mark 5, verse 3 and 4, describing the demonic man. Holding me with strength across me a thousand times greater than a man. He said, I don't know why I thought of that. But just then the beast threw me against the wall. I crumbled onto the floor. I felt like every bone in my body had been broken. I was in pain, and yet it seemed like the pain was softened. I, I still don't understand the full blunt of pain that I could have had. How was it blocked? I would find out later. The second beast with the razor-sharp claws uh, and protruding fins grabbed me from behind in a bear hug, and as it pressed me onto its chest, the fins pierced my back. I felt like a rag doll. He then reached around and plunged his claws into my chest and ripped outward. My flesh hung like, from a body like ribbons, and I fell to the floor. I knew I could not escape this torture, but death would not come. That wasn't even an option. The creatures seemed to drive pleasure in the pain and terror they were inflicting on me. Psalm 116, verse 3 says, The sorrows of death come past me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I felt trouble and sorrow. He said, Oh, how I, I yearned for death, but there was none. I pleaded for mercy, but they had none. Absolutely no mercy. They seemed incapable of it because they were pure evil. You see, no mercy exists in hell because where does mercy come from? From God in heaven. The mental anguish I felt was indescribable. Asking for mercy from such evil only seemed to hide their desire to torment me more. I was conscious of the fact there was no fluid coming from my wings, no blood, no water. I couldn't figure that out. I was extremely nauseated from the terrible foul stench coming from these creatures. It was absolutely disgusting, foul and rotten. It was by far the most putrid smell that I'd ever encountered. If you could take every rotten thing you can imagine, as an open sore, spoiled eggs, sour milk, dead and rotten animal flesh, and sulfur, magnified a thousand times, you might come close. This is not an exaggeration. That odor was so extremely toxic it alone should have killed me. Somehow I managed to move a bit and drag myself across the floor toward the barred door. I couldn't see, but I remembered the direction. I finally made it the door to the door, and here it was open. And so I crawled out. For whatever reason, the creatures allowed me to go. As soon as I exited the cell, my first instinct was to get away as quick as possible, as far as possible. I wanted to desperately run, and all I could think of was getting on my feet, but every movement took great effort. I wondered, why is it so difficult? After tremendous exertion, I was able to stand, thoroughly exhausted, 
but and frustrated about why every movement was so difficult. But then is when I began to hear the terrible, terrible sounds. Horrified, I heard the screams of untold multitudes of people crying out in torment. It almost deafened me. It was almost deafening. The terror-filled screams seemed to go right through me, penetrating my very being. Through the panic and deafening noise, I struggled to gather my thoughts. I'm in hell. This is a real place, and I'm actually here. I frantically tried to understand, but it was inconceivable. Why me? I'm a good person. The fear was so intense, I couldn't bear it, but I could not die. I knew there were people up on the surface of the earth. They had no idea there was a whole world going on down here. They wouldn't believe it. But here it existed. It was all too real. This place was so terrifying, so intense, so hostile that it would be impossible for me to exaggerate the horror. I did not know how I had arrived there, but the fact that I knew God seemed to be kept from my mind. This was explained to me later. As I stood outside the cell, I actually felt the darkness. Exodus 10, 21 speaks of darkness, which may be even felt. No darkness like I'd ever encountered on earth. Once I was in a coal mine out in Arizona. Uh, maybe it wasn't a coal mine, that was my word. It was coal in Arizona. No, but anyways, it was in a mine. And they turned the lights out, completely void of light. So I couldn't see anything. There was nothing like the darkness here. It was as if this darkness in hell had its own power, a power that consumed me. The darkness was not simply the absence of light, it was a distinctive evil presence, a feeling of death and penetrating evil. I now looked off to my right, and at a distance I could see faintly flames that were coming up out of the pit and was beginning to give a little light to the skyline. He said it was a gigantic raging inferno about 10 miles away. This was one of the many things I simply knew. My senses were keener. The only visible area in which the flames exposed was the ground about the solid rock, barren, desolate, no green thing, no blade of grass, nothing. Just complete wasteland. Ezekiel 26, verse 20 says, Then I will bring you down with those who descend into the pit. And I will make you dwell in the lowest parts of the earth, in places desolate from iniquity and antiquity, and with those who go down to the pit. On earth, even deserts contain life and as it adapts to harsh environment. And it actually is a natural beauty. But here, nothing was like the desert. It was just totally barren. The air was filled with smoke and filthy decaying uh, over hell hung in the, in the oxygen depleted atmosphere. As if all the oxygen was being sucked up by those high leaping flames in a distance. I could hardly breathe. In fact, every breath I gasped for. No humidity, no moisture. I was just exhausted to get one breath. One of the worst sensations I experienced was my insatiable thirst and dryness. My mouth felt dry like maybe I was running through a desert for days. No water, no humility, no water anywhere. I thought of Luke 16 when the man opens up his eyes in hell. He said he desperately longed for one drop of water. It's difficult, difficult to conceive of a world with no water. 
it truly is, is most miserable. And it's impossible for any of us to imagine such extreme dryness. Because water is a life-giving substance, and in hell, there is no life. So with thoughts of utter hopelessness flooding my mind, I looked out over the desolate, barren cavern toward the flames. All the memories of my wonderful life and life had I had enjoyed now seemed like a world apart, just things of the past. There was no one you could talk to or solve a problem, no need to offer advice or help, because all life was over and useless, wasting away, permeated my being. Just about then, one of the demons ran out of the cell and grabbed me and carried me back in. Threw me on the floor, another creature quickly grabbed my head and began to crush it. Then all four of the creatures were on top of me, each grabbing an arm and a leg as if I was a lifeless prey. I was so far beyond terrified there was no words to describe it. They were just about to pull my body apart, but all of a sudden I was taken out of the cell and placed next to the pit of fire that I had viewed from a distance. There were people in hell who were contained in a massive pit. Horrible creatures surrounded the perimeter. No way of escape. Any attempt would be futile. Because human strength is no match for the demons. I felt such anguish for these hopeless people, but at the same time realized I was next. There was never a place of peace of mind. There was no rest and torments, dreams, fears, thirst, lack of breath, lack of sleep, the stench, the heat, the hopelessness of the isolation of people. I desperately wanted to talk to someone, but I knew I'd never get a chance. You're kept from any kind of fellowship, conversation, human interaction. The innate human desire is to communicate, ask questions, and relate to someone who shares in your suffering that's never fulfilled in hell. Instead, you're exposed only to hideous creatures, no matter who you were in life, famous or great, influenced no, or nobody, it doesn't matter. You're truly alone in the midst of tormented souls. That is true, there are areas in this vast, barren pit where people are thrown together, but they're only together in the sense that they're all experiencing the same torment. Each person is isolated, extreme agony, and screaming in fire and brimstone as it rains down upon them. He said, It reminds me of when they take cattle and they're herding them into a slaughterhouse. A soul in such extreme agony will have no opportunity for, for any conversation. Besides, I believe everyone there is on the verge of insanity. However, I believe you never go insane or that would be a way of escape. As I stood near the enormous pit of fire, no immediate attacker seemed to be threatening, so it gave me a moment to take in my surroundings. It was raining fire and burning rocks, similar to the way the lava comes out of a, a volcano. Smoke from the flames was very thick. Visibility was difficult, but what I could see was horrifying. People reaching out of the pit of fire, desperately trying to crawl their way out. There was no escape. I turned my head and I noticed I was standing in the middle of the cave. A wall wrapped around me, led to a vast expanse of the pit. I looked at the walls and I saw they were covered with thousands of hideous creatures. These demonic creatures were all sizes and shapes, terribly grotesque and disfigured, Looked like their flesh was decomposing, their limbs were twisted out of proportion. Some displayed immense long arms or abnormally large feet, and they all appeared to me like living dead. Then there were gigantic rats and huge spiders, 
three feet wide and two and three feet high. I also saw snakes ranging from small to enormously large, and worms. I was petrified. I couldn't believe my eyes. My gaze followed the beast up the sides of the wall. There I saw a hole at the top of the cave. It was an entrance of an upward tunnel, approximately 35 feet in diameter. Suddenly, I began ascending through the tunnel. I didn't know how I was able to ascend or why. At first, I rose slowly, but as I went higher, I could view this vast wasteland of hell. I could now see more of the enormous pit, which looked to me at least a mountain cross. However, this was just a fraction of hell's space. As I ascended up into the darkness, the fear of those horrific beasts just got a hold of me again. Who, who could fight off one of these creatures? No one could. They were so massive and strong. Continuing up, it seemed like about 30 seconds or so, suddenly a burst of light invaded the entire tunnel. So brilliant, pure, white light like nothing I'd ever seen. It was so bright that I could not see the face of the one who stood before me. But instantly, I knew he was. I said, Jesus! He said, I am! And I fell at his feet. It's like I had died. I passed out, but I regained my consciousness a few minutes later. I was still at his feet. And as I said, I didn't see his face. I only saw the outline of a man standing in white, so pure and bright, and for a better lack of word, clean. There really are no words to adequately describe what it's like to be in his presence. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 4, when he had that vision of being in heaven, he said he heard unspeakable words which were not lawful for a man to utter. Words also can't describe the range of emotions I experienced in the presence of the Lord. Just a moment before, I had been in the bowels of hell like someone who didn't know Jesus and was cursed and damned eternal torment. But as soon as he appeared, he restored an awareness to my mind, I am a Christian. He removed the knowledge that I was a Christian while I was in hell. Peace now had replaced the terror and safety took the place of danger. Feelings of worthlessness and shame and humiliation disappeared as the value of that was placed upon me was revealed. It was then that I truly understood how much God loves us. It was at once comforting and protecting and completely revived me. I just wanted to remain in his feet. I was so grateful to escape hell. I'm so grateful that I knew Jesus and I'm a Christian. I just wanted to worship him. Then Jesus reached out and touched my shoulder. Instantly my strength returned. I rose to my feet. My next thought was, but why did you send me this awful place? Before I could even Verbalize the words Jesus said because many people do not believe that hell truly exists. And he said, even some of my precious own people do not believe that hell is real. I was amazed to hear that even Christians do not believe that hell is real. I know many people think that when you die, you're just destroyed or that hell is just a state of mind. That surprises me because the Bible informs us so thoroughly on this subject. Does not teach that you're simply destroyed. The teaching is very clear that hell is an eternal, eternal torment. I can now sense the Lord's deep love for people to know the truth. Knowing that hell is a reality and how horrible it really is greatly deepens your appreciation and thankfulness. I was so grateful that He rescued me. 
But I understood that it is out of his great love for mankind that he wanted people to know that this place exists so that they could indeed choose life with him. He who has a son, God has life. He who does not have a son of God does not have life. 1 John 5, verse 12. Many more thoughts came to my mind, but I was just was overwhelmed by the awesome presence, and I was slow to speak. As I stood here before the Lord, I thought, why did you choose me for this experience? And there was no answer. To this day, I still do not fully understand why God chose me. In many ways, it makes no sense. First of all, I'm just a realtor. I'm not a Billy Graham or a Mother Teresa or any other powerful preacher. And secondly, I love order, cleanliness, quiet. Hell is the total opposite of those things. And most people who know me know that I keep a house and a yard in perfect condition. My mother used to say, even as a child, my room was clean and neat, all the toys in perfect order. I even wore three-piece suits as a child, and I liked it. In addition, my wife and I disdain horror movies and never attend them. Make every effort to keep any evil influence out of our home and away from our lives. And besides all that, I don't even like summertime. It's too hot for me. Jesus said to me, now go and tell them about this place. It's not my desire that any should go there. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. I replied to him, yes, of course I'll go. You know, God's will is for all to be saved. And I had a, a compelling desire to go and to speak. I felt so honored to be able to do something that would please him. And then the thought crossed my mind, but, but who would believe me? They'll think I had a bad dream or I'm crazy. The Lord said, it's not your job to convict the heart. That responsibility belongs to the Holy Spirit. It's your part to go and to tell. Well, I was relieved to know that it wasn't my responsibility to convince anyone. He actually gave me the easy part. All I had to do was open my mouth and tell the people, and then he draws them to himself. Finally, he said to me, tell them I'm coming very, very soon. In my spirit, I felt the urgency there to warn as many people as possible. Time is running out. And then he sternly said it again louder, tell them I am coming very, very soon. Repeating himself tells me he truly is coming, and it's very, very close. Time is running out. We must get the truth out to people so that they know they have a choice to make. Without Jesus as your Savior, you're going to, not going to go to heaven. You go to the other certain place, and that's hell. As the Lord and I were having this time together, we were ascending all the while out the tunnel. We came to the earth's surface and we sped high up into the clouds. He said, uh, it was just like a, a, another tremendous dream. He said, but suddenly we were coming in towards California and there was our house. He said, we hovered over the house and I could look right down through the roof and I saw a body laying there in the living room and then realized it was me. I could hardly believe it was true. No, this is, this is the real me, not, not that. And he said, immediately the scripture came to my mind. For we know that in our earthly house, this tent, it's destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I remember passing 
through the roof into the living room. As I approach my body, I seem to suddenly be drawn back into it. And then Jesus left. Immediately, the horrors of hell came back to my mind. You see, as long as the Lord was with me, the fear and torment of hell had left. But when he disappeared, the fear returned. I started screaming, laying there traumatized. Now his wife says, I woke to screams coming from down the hallway. My first reaction was to look on the right to see if Bill was there beside me. He wasn't. I turned my lap and looked at the digital clock. It said 3.23. I got out of bed and walked down the hall to the living room. There was Bill in a fetal position with his hands grasping the side of his head. His breathing was erratic. He was screaming, I feel like I'm going to die. I, I, I thought, well, is he having a heart attack? I said, what's wrong, Bill? And then he screamed loud. He said, the Lord took me to hell. Pray for me. Pray that the Lord will take the fear from my mind. I've never seen Bill like this. He's always a reserved, calm, quiet person. All who would know would tell you that. He's even tempered, steady, consistent all his life. Here, he's out of control, traumatized, like he everything's against him. And this wasn't Bill. It took a few seconds for me to process the shock of what I heard. But I felt a sense of peace within. I believe Bill completely. I felt a sense of relief in knowing that he wasn't having a heart attack. In my heart, I knew it'd be okay, so I began to pray quickly. After a short while, Bill began calming down and regained his composure. His screaming subsided, his breathing returned to normal, and he was able to gather his thoughts. And what do you think he asked for? A glass of water. Now, Bill says, I remember being amazed as I looked at the water in the glass my wife had handed to me. In it was life. I gulped it down and asked for another. I never wanted to thirst again. After the second glass was finished, my wife and I returned to the bedroom. I sat there in bed and began to tell her what happened. I mentioned that the experience had begun at 3 o'clock. She said, well, when I heard the scream, I woke up at 3.23. I had been in hell for around 23 minutes. After my wife prayed for me, God left the memories of that experience with me. Absent the horror. I'm so thankful he did. I know that I would have died. A person cannot live with such horror in their mind. Even natural tragedies often take years, sometimes decades, for pain to subside where people can look back and talk about the situation without turmoil. I truly thank God that it didn't take me years, even days, to recover from my visit to hell. I was no longer buried in emotional distress, but I was very tired. The fatigue was greater than anything I ever experienced in life. Even so, the next day I wanted to go out and call everybody I knew who didn't believe in hell, make them listen. I knew I needed to rest, allow myself to recover, but I had to tell and alert everyone. I didn't want a single person to go where I'd been. And I would wake up in the morning thinking, who I had to warn that day, go to bed at night, wondering, who did I miss? Everywhere I went, I would look at people wondering, how many of you are going to hell? I must find a way to tell you about Jesus. During the next year, there were times when I would get irritated, but people would say, well, I just don't believe in that Jesus stuff. Heaven or hell. When you know the truth and you want so desperately to convince others that hell is real and that Jesus is their only way out. It's not that I'm anxious to talk to others of my experience, but it's what God wants me to share, and it's in his word. That's what counts. 
I don't get upset at people themselves, but how hard it is to convince them of truth. I'm reminded of one day I got a phone call. An elderly lady wanted me to come. She wants to sell her house. So I, I came over and spoke with her a bit, and she wanted to sell immediately. And I said to her, well, maybe you should wait just a little bit until you're feeling better and not make such a decision while under the stress of cancer and medication and the like. Well, then she agreed to wait. And in talking with her, since I knew she didn't have long on earth, I asked her, do you know Jesus? And this was her reply. Oh, I don't believe in all that Bible fairy tale stuff. I tried my best to convince her and persuade her not to take a chance in eternity. She said she thought it was all silly and told me to keep my beliefs to myself. I left with a feeling of deep sorrow. She appeared so, appeared so frail, I knew she wouldn't live much longer. And yes, the next morning, the God word she had done. I felt such anguish for her soul. She rejected God's last efforts. In her heart and heart, I knew where she was. It's hard to hear someone say, I don't believe in that Bible stuff. That there was a God who would never send someone to that horrible place. But he doesn't. He doesn't want anyone to go there ever. He gave his life that we might live. Oh, what goodness has come out of his experience of traveling around the country. He said he and his wife could never imagine that this story would go into nine languages around the world. It results in countless people contacting their office and they've given their hearts to the Lord. Many Christians have recommitted themselves sharing their faith with others. And here's just a quick story. He says, a lady got a copy of his book and read it and asked and prayed that Jesus would come into her heart and accept him as her Savior. She was so excited, she went over to her neighbor, shared with her, and led her to Jesus. And she did the very next day, this new believing neighbor was killed in a car accident. Imagine a one-day-old Christian who's motivated enough to share her faith immediately. Amazing. It's a good thing she did. Bill says in his book that it's not important whether people believe his experience, only that they check out what the Bible says about hell and do all they can to avoid it. In fact, he said, I'm just a signpost pointing people to Scripture. And so, friends, I leave the message with you today. As believers, we should appreciate more than ever the love and merits of the Lord Jesus from sparing us this awful place. We know that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Only blood wash will go there. Not being good. That's just not enough. So do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior this morning? Oh, if not, I urge you to pray. Come forward in prayer. Or make an altar somewhere today. Sadly, hell is filled with good intentions. People say, yes, someday I'll accept him. They never did. They put it off until it was too late. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow, they never come for you. So the choice is ours to make. Is it going to be heaven or is it going to be hell? Please stand together.